All right. So um, let's get right into this today because honestly, I've, I've got a lot to cover and we're going to be kind of maneuvering down some rough terrain. And so I, I really would like to get into this. And so um, I, I'm asking today for as much focus as you can give me because I really think it's going to take that to get where we need to go. So um, we are heading into the final stretch of this series called Do You Know Him? And really, um, our motive here is to get to know God, to get to know who he is so that we can step into a relationship with him. So really, my hope is that already you have um, started that process or you've been able to progress in that process, and hopefully you will continue to do that well after this series. Now, quick recap so that we can get up to um, where we're at today. Last couple of weeks, we have talked about some very interesting yet necessary aspects of God's character. So... A couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's jealousy, how he is jealous for our attention, for our affection, for our obedience. We talked about God's wrath, how that is sparked, what brings that forth, and then ultimately how that's displayed in our lives. And then last week, we talked about how God is the judge, that he rightly judges. He's a fair judge, and he will rightly punish sin. Now, As we head into the last two weeks of this series, I kind of want to go down a slightly different route here. And really what I want to do is I want to get into the more intimate aspects of God's character. I think that's, that's an appropriate way to end this series, that we would end with the more intimate aspects of who he is. And so really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take us from God the judge, who we've been discussing over the last few weeks, to God our Father, somebody who is loving and and caring, and who wants to be in a love-centered relationship with us. Now, the biggest shift that's going to get us from God the judge to God our Father is the topic that we're talking about today. Now, here's the thing. We are almost at the end of this series, and I just want to quickly go through the aspects of God's character that we've covered. So we talked about God's omnipresence. We've talked about his immutability, his wisdom, peace, Uh, mercy, grace, jealousy, wrath, justice. We've talked about all those things, and those are good and right things, and he deserves the praise for them. But if you dig a little deeper, it, it paints kind of an interesting picture of God, because what we can begin to see from that is this serious, um, stern, unhappy type of God. And I would imagine we all have seen people in our lives um, who are that way. Like they, they can't find joy. Like no matter how many jokes you tell, no matter how hard you try to break the ice, they are just not gonna have fun. They're just not gonna enjoy themselves. You can lay down your best joke and they're just gonna look at you very awkwardly, right? We're, we're all, we've dealt with those type of people before, right? And here's the thing, not to be harsh, but those are typically the type of people we try to stay away from, right? And so it's important that we understand this aspect of God, okay? Here it is. God is joyful. God is fun. God is happy. You know how I know that? Because he created it. He, he created it. Think about the best time you've ever had in your life. Think about that for a second. The most enjoyable memory you have, the best time of your life. God created that. He created that. He is way more fun than you are. He is way more enjoyable than you are. The depths of fun that God knows, you can't even begin to comprehend. That's the truth about God. Now, 
This aspect of God is called his blessedness, okay? Now, we've all heard the word blessed, right? Hashtag blessed. Um, We say blessed around church circles way too often, right? Because we don't even really mean it when we say it. But here's what blessed means, okay? Blessed, Blessed is to be joyful in a very full and rich sense. Now, it's very easy for that to go in one ear and right out the other, right? But I want you to feel this, to be joyful in a very full and rich sense. I would imagine we've all had seasons like this in our lives where it's like everything is going our way. You know what I mean? It's like every day's a Friday, the birds are chirping, the sun is shining. And when you're in that season, don't you feel like a richness, like a fullness down deep in your soul? That's what it means to be blessed. Now, let's talk about how this relates to God, okay? Let's bring this to light. So in order to do that, I'm gonna read two scriptures that we see in 1 Timothy. Now, they are very interesting scriptures, but you will not see it at face value, okay? So let me explain this. 1 Timothy 6.15, it says, God, the blessed and only ruler. 1 Timothy 1.11 says, the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Now, at face value, that doesn't do much for you, right? But here's why it's interesting. In the Greek, there are two words that are typically translated to blessed. Now, I'm not gonna try to pronounce those Greek words because I would look like a fool. But the first one is what we typically understand as blessed. It's the typical definition that we're used to. The other one actually leans more towards happiness or joy. And this second type is what's used here in 1 Timothy. So there could actually be translations that say, God, the happy and only ruler, or the glorious gospel of the happy God. Now, honestly, have you ever thought of God that way? Maybe you have. I have never thought of God that way. It's so easy for me to think of him as serious and as stern even, but to think of him like with a smile on his face, that's honestly never entered into my mind before. And yet it says God is joyful. God is happy. Now, for me, that's exciting. For me, that's exciting that my creator is full of joy, that he's not crusty, he's not on edge, he's, he's not played out, he's joyful. But as we begin to, d- to discuss his joy, we first have to answer an important question. And, and this is it, why? Why is God joyful? Why is God blessed? Because initially, you can misunderstand that because you can put your pride into the equation here. But I wanna read you theologically why God is joyful. So when we study scripture, this is what comes to light. The Bible clearly shows that God delights fully in himself and in all that reflects his character. So there are two things. God delights fully in himself and in everything that reflects his character. Now, there are deep-rooted implications here that we will unroll as this message continues. But just to lay a foundation, okay? Just to lay a foundation, when it says that he delights fully in himself, what it's saying is he is the source of joy. Anything and everything that is excellent in this universe, anything that is desirable, 
ultimately comes from God. He, he created it. He is the source of all joy. He is the source of all good. We see this in James 1.17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every one of them. Romans 11.36 says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. You think joy is included within that? Absolutely. Now, all of that seems good. That makes sense but I think you might be overlooking the real implication here as it relates to God's joy. So I wanna spend some time really digging into this because I think this is what's gonna take us and show us what God's joy is really about and ultimately how we can share in that, right? How can we be joyful? How can we be blessed? Now, I'm gonna take kind of a different route to get there and that's why I asked for your focus at the beginning because I'm gonna land the plane, but we're gonna go through some turbulence, so just stay with me, okay? Here's what I don't wanna do. I I don't want to get up here and just say, rejoice because of God's grace, or be joyful because of his mercy. Now, in part, that is true, but I wanna dig deeper. I wanna like get down to the bottom of this. Now, here's, I, I don't want to show you happiness. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is fleeting, You can lose that in a second. Somebody cuts you off on the highway. Somebody sends you a rude email, right? And your happiness is gone. It's it's superficial. It's cheap. I want to get down to to life-giving, sustainable joy. Now, if we're going to get there, we really have to get down to the bottom of this. I mean, like, dig down to the root, to the base. That means we have to look beyond the bridge church. We have to look beyond you and I and really figure out what's going on here. So this is a question that we have to ask. What is God about? Like, what is he doing? What is God about? Because without this understanding, without figuring this out, there's nothing in life that will sustain us. Joy included. And when I ask what God is about, I'm not even talking about his mercy and his grace and his wisdom, all of the characteristics that we've talked about. I mean, like, down to the baseline, what is he about? Now, maybe initially you're going, I can answer that question pretty easily. That's that's a pretty easy task. But I would just warn you, so often you look at it from your perspective, which is so off base and so wrong. And you can fall into a a couple of different groups here. There's one group that that would say, this is what God's about. I, I know him a little bit. I've skimmed through the Bible. This is what God's about. He wants to give me these rules and these guidelines. He wants to box me in, right? You can't do that and you can't do that. And well, you can do that. It's almost like this Santa Claus-like persona, right? Where he's making his list and he's checking it twice. And the other group of people is just as, as bad because what they would say is, well, ultimately God is about us. He's about me, right? He wants to shower his mercy over my life. He wants to display his power for me. He created me because he was lonely, right? And he needed companionship because after all, who wouldn't want to create a bunch of lying, cheating, deceiving children to call their own, right? But that's, that's what we think. That's how we think, man, he digs me. He is into me. And here's the thing. You can even play tricks with yourself based off of what the Bible says because the Bible says he loves us. The Bible is clear that he's passionate about you and I. But upon deeper reflection, there's an underlying motive in his love for you. So I wanna bring this 
to light so that we can continue on with this discussion. I'm gonna walk through a really popular scripture in the Bible that we see. This is a scripture that we sing about. It's, it's a scripture that is on mugs and on picture frames of Christians all throughout the world. But I think often we misunderstand what's going on in this scripture. So I wanna show you guys what's really going on. Psalm 23, verse one, this is how it starts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's beautiful, right? I gotta tell you, that sounds an awful lot like he's into me, right? He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Who has ever led you beside still waters that's not into you, right? He digs me. But there's an underlying motive here that you so often skip over. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. He does all of this, but the motive isn't what you think. See, the motive in all of this is not that you're awesome. It's not that you're great. It's that he's great. The motive in all of this is his glory. It's his name. It's his renown. And listen, this theme is over and over and over and over again in the Bible in a way where God makes it very clear, very, very clear that he doesn't have to apologize for this. Now, the idea that God is about God can throw us off a little bit. It can mess with us a little bit because that flies in the face of our society, of our culture, of what we hear and experience every day because our culture says it's about you. You deserve it. This is for you. If you don't get the blessing that you so obviously deserve, then you should be angry about that, right? This is all about us. That's, that's our perception. That's our natural perception. But I wanna see what the Bible says about this. I wanna see the picture that the Bible is painting in relation to this subject. So I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna throw a lot at you guys, but I think you're gonna pick up the theme very, very easily. I'm not even gonna put this on the board, so just try to soak this in, okay? Isaiah 43 says, God created us for his glory. Isaiah 49 says, God called Israel for his glory. Psalm 106 says, God rescued Israel from Egypt for his glory. Ezekiel 20 says, but for the sake of my name, I brought them out of Egypt. I did it to keep my name from being profane. 2 Samuel 7, God tells Solomon that he will build a house for my name. Ezekiel 36 says, uh, it's not for your sake that I'm gonna do these things, but for the sake of my holy name. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. John 14, 13 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified. In John 12 and John 17, it says, Jesus died for the glory of God. John 16, 14 says that the work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. 1 Peter 4 says that you should serve to bring God glory. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, pray for God's people so that Jesus is glorified and all culminates in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, 
That's a lot of scripture that has a very pinpoint theme. But that just scratches the surface. There is so much more of this in the Bible. And it's so easy to overlook because we're selfish. We're prideful. But this is what's going on in scripture from Genesis to Revelation, from start to finish. For his glory, he is reconciling and reclaiming all things back to himself. So let me be clear. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about Jesus. He's the subject. He's the point of it. Read it from cover to cover. That's what it's about. And without understanding this, you can very much misread the Bible. Because what you'll do is you will infuse yourself into it and you'll make yourself the star of the show, right? So, so despite what you heard in Sunday school, you are not David. And Goliath is not your issue and problem in life. If you read it with this self-centered type of view, you will put a weight on your shoulders that you can't carry. The Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Moses and on and on and on. So when you read 1 Samuel and you read about David and Goliath, you should see that David represents Jesus, that Goliath represents sin and death. You know what that makes us? makes us the Israelites in the background running and screaming for our lives because Goliath is gonna get us until David steps in. Do you see how when you infuse yourself, you can so mislead what the Bible is trying to say? Now, this is hard for us because we wanna make it about ourselves. Now, let's stop here. Why does this factor into our joy? Why are we even talking about this in a message where we're discussing joy? Here's the breakthrough that you have to understand. When we understand that God is about God, that brings forth some, some really good and relieving news, okay? It brings forth some good news that ultimately will lead us to joy. So let's talk about some of these, okay? Let's even logically break some of this down. So if God is about God, and ultimately he is about seeking the glory of his name, we can logically draw a conclusion that that means he's out for our joy. You think about it. Do you think us being angry and frustrated and confused would bring him glory? No, no. When we're joyful, when we're alive, that's what brings him glory. Now, even as Christians, he's out for our joy, not our begrudging submission. Now, let me uncover that a little bit, okay? The Bible does say that we should be faithful, that we should be steadfast, that we should be immovable in God's will. But that doesn't mean that we should submit to him in, in a way that is griping and complaining. You know what I mean by that? Like, well, I'll, I'll do this, but it's just because God told me to. Or, or I won't do this, but honestly, it's just because I feel obligated. That is not what God is looking for. That is not his desire. God is intensely after our joy. Because the more we enjoy him, the more glory he receives. So if we do this out of duty rather than delight, if we do this out of fear rather than love, that doesn't honor God. And, and we certainly don't enjoy that either, right? It like short circuits the whole system. And, and suddenly we're living life with a mindset that Jesus actually came to free us from. Listen, heaven is a place of people who love God. 
It's not full of, of people who are afraid of hell. God wants us to enjoy him because that brings him glory. He wants us to find joy. Now, his next step kind of surprises us because follow me here. He wants us to experience joy, so he gives us the law. Now, wait a second. The law, how is that connected to joy in any way, right? Over the course of church history, the law has such a negative connotation. We talk about the Pharisees, these law doers, and we you know, make fun of them and put them down, right? But didn't David, who was a man after God's own heart, didn't he delight in the law? He like stayed up late at night writing songs about the law. Like he delighted in God's statutes. When God is about God, that, that means his commands are to draw us into more life, into more Joy, because what he's doing is he's trying to align us with the way that he created things to be. He's trying to align us with his design. So for example, um, God says, this is how marriage works. Now, he's not saying this to abuse us. He's not a domineering ruler who is trying to uh, oppress us. What he's saying is, no, 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 no. I created this. Like, I know how this works. If you just follow after what I'm telling you, then you will find joy. And in his love, he says, this is how marriage works. This is how parenting works. This is how money works. This is how rest works. And it's not to frustrate you and to box you in. It's to give you joy for the glory of his name. So because God is about God, and ultimately he's seeking his glory, what he's trying to do is he's trying to set up a path of obedience so that we can experience that joy. Okay, that's what he's up to. Now, something else that we need to pull out from this, some more good news that we need to pull out from God being about God. That means, if God is about God, that means that you are not the center of the universe. Now, that might startle you at first. How is that, how is that good news, right? But if you think about it, think about this. If we're pursuing joy, if that's what we're after, isn't like all of the conflict in our life predicated upon, built upon the fact that we think the world is about us? You have conflict in your marriage because you think the world is about you. Well, she better do what I say. She better meet my expectations. You have conflict at your work because you think it's all about you. How dare they send me that email? How dare they not give me the credit that I deserve? And the more that the world is about you, the more beat down and frustrated you will become. The less it's about you, the more free and joyful you will be. So listen, if I come home and my marriage is about God rather than me, I will live in a house of grace and peace and forgiveness and love. If I come home and it's about me, then I will magnify all of the mistakes that are made until I live in a house with somebody who can't stand being around me. Listen, I, I told my wife when we first started talking about getting married, I said, listen, one of my biggest faults is that I am a scorekeeper. Like, I don't even have that good of a memory, but I will keep pinpoint score of all the times that you've screwed up and all of the times that I've flourished. That's, that's a huge fault of mine. Why? Because it's about me. It's, it's all about me. See, the more it's about God, the more I can do away with that scorekeeping charade. 
if me speaking on this stage is about God, then I'm free of trying to meet or exceed your expectations. If my money is about God, I'm free of worry and anxiety. If my ministry is about God, then I'm free from, from worrying about the other things of life that don't measure up to that. This idea that God is about God actually allows us to hone in on what's really going on here. It allows us to have the right outlook and perspective on life so that we can experience joy. Now, this brings us to a couple of things that we need to figure out. A couple of things that we need to talk about, okay? So um, the first one is motive. Now, follow me here. We started off this message, we were talking about how we wanna go from God the judge to God our Father, right? How can we transition that in this series? But in our lives, we have to understand both. We have to see how they intertwine. We have to see how they work together because he is a judge that is right and fair, but he's also a father that loves us and, and cares for us. And without that understanding, then our motive to love him, our motive to, to be in a relationship with him will not be healthy. So we talked about this a little bit. Let me use this illustration to bring it to light. Um, my wife and I come from slightly different backgrounds. We experienced slightly different things in, in our homes. Like for instance, um, at my house, mom did most of the housework. Um, dad helped out a little bit. My brother and I had some chores here and there, but really mom carried the weight of that, the laundry and the dishes and the interior cleaning. She really carried the weight of that. And um, we allowed her to do that because we knew it brought her joy, right? Um, <laughs> now with my, with my wife, um, her home is full of people that work their tails off. Every one of them carries their weight and much more. I mean, they will work you up under the table. They are crazy. Now, now, in a good way. Jan, if you're listening, that was a good way. Um, so, so here's the thing. When we got into marriage, when we came together, there was a clash. Certain expectations were not being met. Now, she didn't throw fit and yell at me for not meeting her expectations, but there was a clash, and it's something I'm still working on. Don't look back there. Um, it's something I'm still working on. But listen, when I understood her expectations and I saw what brought her joy, I actually began to delight in doing those things. I actually began to delight in doing the things that in the past I ran from, right? So when I was doing the dishes, when I was taking out the trash, I delighted in that because it, it pleased my wife and I love her. It's actually gotten to a point to where I'm serious. As I am taking out the trash or as I'm cooking dinner, I will literally be thinking in my head, I can't wait for Jenna to get home. I think she'll be excited about this. It's actually become fun for me, right? That's actually become fun. What I used to hate, I now love because I know it pleases my wife. So listen, when we look into our lives and we peek into our motives, this is when we really begin to understand how we see God. Because when you understand that God delights in you, that he is for you, then all of a sudden you wanna know what he's about. All of a sudden, you wanna know what his expectations are for you. All of a sudden, you wanna jump into a relationship with him. And, and then that changes the way that you read the Bible. It changes the way that you pray. Like if you know, God wants to hear from me. 
Like he wants to, to hear my voice. He wants to hear what I have to say. Don't you wanna come running to him in prayer? I think that would be the case. There is a visible, tangible joy in people when they understand that God loves them, that he is for them, and that he delights in them. And that's not present in people who simply see him as judge. Now, you can be grateful that he's forgiven you, but ultimately what really brings you to him as father is when you realize his delight in you as you reflect his character. So let me put it this way. Nobody wants to to go to dinner with the judge, right? Nobody wants to go play catch with the judge, but you wanna do that with your father. And so it's tremendously important that we see him in this way, that he wants to bring us to joy, that he wants us to have a life-giving, flourishing, rich relationship with him so that we can be brought into joy. Now, the other thing that we need to talk about is the pursuit. Okay? If we really want to get to joy, how do we get there? If our motive is in the right place, what's the next step we need to take? Now, this is really easy conceptually, and it's really hard to execute upon because it's, it's really this simple. You need to fill your life, fill it with things that stir your affections for Jesus. And then you need to pay attention and you need to do away with the things that rob you of that affection. Even if those things are morally neutral. Like, let me give you an example. Let me kind of own my own sins here. I am way too enthralled, way too really in love with sports. If I allowed myself, I could be ruled and run by sports. And, and in many ways and in many times in my life, frankly, that's exactly what happened. Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with sports, right? It's a good thing that God has given us for our joy and for his glory. But when abused, it can separate me from my creator. Do you see how that works? Do you see how it's given to me as a blessing and yet I turn it into a stumbling block? Now, truth be told, I have much deeper sinful habits than just that. But the same logic applies, what God means for good, we turn it into evil. That's exactly what Genesis 50, 20 says. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And that verse can apply to just about everything in your life. Because what God means for good, you warp it and you abuse it until it puts up a wall between you and him. Like, listen, your television is not intrinsically wrong. Again, God meant it for good. But if I did a deep dive audit of your life and found that, you watch 30 hours of television a week and you spend like 10 minutes in prayer and reading the Bible, do you feel like something's not right there? Do you see how God meant it for good and all of a sudden you've used it against him? It's time to be serious about pursuing our joy in Christ. Do you know what I mean by that, in Christ? Let me read Ephesians 1.3. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. When it says in the heavenly places, what that means is it's not material things. It's deep-rooted, sustainable blessings. I'm talking about joy here, and we receive it in Christ 
So you need to flood your life with things that stir your affections for him. You need to be intentional about this and they need to cut out the things that rob you of that affection. This is a serious pursuit. Listen, that's not just gonna happen. You're not just like gonna stumble upon that. This is gonna take some really intentional activity to make sure that you're pursuing Jesus. If I could get the worship team to come on up, I'm closing here. Um, I told you guys we're, we're, we, we covered quite a bit of ground today. And so what I, I'd like to do is just try my best to boil this down to a point to where you can kind of just stick it in your pocket and, and leave with it, okay? So when we ha- have the understanding that God is out for his glory, for his name, that's his motive, that's his intention, that should allow us to trust him. When we trust him, that leads us to obeying him. When we obey him, we receive joy. That's like the process flow that we're trying to go through here, okay? Now, as we keep that in mind, we have to constantly remind ourselves, what are our motives and how are we rightly pursuing? There are some serious questions that we need to constantly ask ourselves. Are we serving and obeying God because we really deeply love him? Are we doing it because somebody told us to? Are we doing it because our husband or our wife makes us come to church? Are we doing it because we're obligated? Because one side of that is life-giving and flourishing, and the other side is damaging and will wear you down. Are you actively pursuing things in your life that stir your affections for Jesus? Or have you sunk back into your prideful ways and you're only interested in personal gain? You need to be asking yourself these questions. You need to have these checkpoints in your life to make sure that you are truly on the course that God has designed for you. He is out for your joy. He is out for your flourishing. And you have to trust him. If you could just stand with me. Maybe, maybe it'll just take some time for this to be digested. Honestly, it did for me. Even as I was going through this, this message and preparing it, it really took me a while to, to sink this deep into my heart. It really, that happened this morning. I couldn't get it. I couldn't grasp it. I, I couldn't see from the right lens. And so maybe that will just take you some time. And so what I'm asking you to do is be serious about this pursuit, to focus in on what God is trying to lead you towards. And if that means deeper study, then study. If that means deeper prayer, then pray. Whatever it means, pursue it, pursue it. If you could just close your eyes with me right now. to do because I kind of feel like I kind of feel like in the room that's where many of us are like we're just we're kind of digesting this we're trying to understand this and so what I'd like you to pray is is that God would help you to do that 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 God would really help you to categorize this and and to really allow it to sink deep into your heart in, in a true and right way so that you can see him for who he is and that you can see from the right perspective If you're really 
serious about this pursuit, can you just pray that right now? He's all-powerful. He is fully wise. He can do whatever. He says, whatever you ask in my name, it will be given to you. If you're serious about this pursuit of joy, just ask him for it. Ask him to open up your eyes so that you can see him like...